Smartcast. I think putting things down in a visual way where everybody knows their numbers, whether it be a software tool or an Excel spreadsheet or paper, whatever, if everybody has visibility into how well everyone else is doing, you're going to create a culture of accountability. That's not to say that I'm going to shame someone who may be falling behind. The purpose is I want to help them. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Today's guest is Eugene Turk. Eugene is the VP and general counsel for Align Software. This is a software that helps companies grow and scale their business. Here's what we talk about in this episode. Aligning your vision with your team. Why discipline is so important to scaling and the power in goal setting. I spent a couple days with Eugene earlier this year when attending a scaling up seminar. He was very knowledgeable and transparent during the seminar. He was one of the presenters and I got a lot out of it. He does the same thing in today's episode. Super knowledgeable, super transparent. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. It makes for a great episode. Let's talk to Eugene now. Hey, Eugene, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tyler. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to see you again. We uh, saw each other at the Scaling Up training and you were one of the hosts, one of the presenting, one of the topics. You know, I met you a couple times. I have so much admiration for you. You're just such a cool person and you have a lot of knowledge. So I'm excited to have today's conversation. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Sure, sure. So tell me a little bit about what you do. Sure. So I currently serve as the vice president of business development, as well as the general counsel for a software development company called Align Technologies Corp. We are based in New Orleans, Louisiana. I have been with the company for going on now almost five years. The company itself has been around for about 10. And we essentially, we have created a strategic planning and execution software that is intended for small and mid-sized companies that are growing, scaling, and looking to implement some good business habits to hopefully calm some of the chaos that is oftentimes encountered when you are scaling, growing quickly, exponentially, and where the business owner is starting to get some frustrations. There used to be a time when you knew what everybody was working on, and now you've gotten to this level of success where you're not sure exactly what everybody's working on. And so our software sort of helps uh, have visibility, insight, and accountability into all of that. Very cool. Now, why I'm extremely excited to talk with you is you're kind of like the guy on the sidelines to some degree. And you're getting to see all these things happen, I imagine, in front of you, whether that be businesses or business coaches, because you're bringing these parties together and you're observing what's going on. So you're just, just going to be like such a fun conversation around scaling a business. And where I'd like to start with that is what do you see, what are your observations in terms of the biggest challenges companies and entrepreneurs face when it comes to scaling? So I think, uh, and you're absolutely right, I, I come at this from a, a number of different 
perspectives. First of all, we as an organization are growing and scaling. So we ourselves, just in my time that we've that I've been with the company, we've gone, I think I was employee number six. We're now up to employee number 23 or 24. So there's been a lot of growth. So we're going through these experiences and we're at the same time working with companies that are coming to us to hopefully provide a software tool that's going to make that growth uh, and scalability in their organizations a little smoother, a little easier. I think the pain points that we most often encounter is sort of this desire by a business owner or a senior leadership team to think more strategically about the business. I think there's a lot of very successful companies and business owners that have for far too long just been sort of uh, in the weeds, in the operations and the tactical side of the business. And so what we often see is we have, you know, visionary founders and CEOs who at the time are spending 20% of their week on strategy and 80% of the time on operations and tactics. They haven't been able to sort of elevate themselves to think more big picture, high level And so I think the frustration, the pain points that they are encountering and they are looking for something different is they want to switch that. They want to be spending 80% of their time on the strategy and 20% of the operational and tactical side. They want to be able to have faith and trust in their teams to go and do what needs to get done. And they can spend a lot of time sort of thinking high level, how do we get to whatever our one-year, our three-year, our five-year, or maybe our 10, 20-year BHAG goal might be. And I'm going to circle back on BHAG shortly. We'll define Mm -hmm. that and talk about that a little bit. I want to dig into this strategy a little bit more. So you've got the leader of the organization should be, let's say, spending 80% of their time strategy. For one, do you think generally, is that something... They're doing an office. Is that something that is something done offsite? Where I've I've heard and I've read where sometimes doing that your strategy part offsite gets the juices going more. Any thoughts on that? And then how do you bring your team into that? Yeah. So you know, from our experience, about fifty percent of our users work with business coaches. And 50% of our users are what we would call self-implementers. Now, I am not a coach. We are not coaches ourselves, but we use a coach just like many other companies. And so, yes, when we're doing annual plannings on where or when we are doing quarterly plannings, we generally have a full day either off-site or on-site if we can accommodate everybody. And it's really meant to take everyone away from their day-to-days so that they can focus singularly and, and with laser sort of precision on that strategic conversation. How do we as an organization, as a senior leadership team, sort of identify what are the most important things that we need to focus on and execute over the next 90 days? What are the two or three company priorities that we're going to share with the rest of the organization? Everyone is going to have buy-in and everyone's going to have visibility and understanding of what that 90-day roadmap looks like. That if we're able to achieve those two or three things, just two or three things, that we know that's going to have the most significant positive impact on the further growth and success of the business. We know where we want to be. So what are the action steps that we are going to take over the course of the next 90 days that are going to keep us moving, as we like to call it, on that journey to success? And so whether you do that with a coach 
or whether you self-facilitate that, generally speaking, I think the best practice or the proven practice is, yes, to do it off-site, to get people away from their computers, their laptops, where they can really focus and do the sort of intellectual heavy lifting that comes with that type of strategic thinking. Got it. Now, who's in that meeting? That It sounds like 90 days is kind of an the general cadence of these kind of quarterly objective type meetings. Who's in that meeting? And is everyone in that meeting accountable to some degree? So at Align, everybody's in that meeting. So as a matter <laughs> of fact, we, we will be having our annual and quarterly reset next week. It, like I said, it will be coach-led and there will be 23 people in that meeting. Yeah. Now, generally what we do is the leadership team will meet for about four or five hours the day before. And we as a leadership team will come up with our proposed annual initiatives and some proposed company priorities for the next quarter. We'll do the real heavy lifting on of figuring out what those are, but we will nonetheless then present them to the entire team and say, does this sound appropriate? Do you guys think that there is anything else that we should be focused on rather than the things that we've identified? And if so, please speak your voice now. Be a part of that conversation. Let us know if you, know, if, if you believe that we're going in the wrong direction or that there is something more valuable that we should be focusing on in the next 90 days. That's not necessarily true for every organization. I think a lot of times that conversation is just between the leadership team and then it's simply presented to the organization. And then the accountability comes in and say, okay, we're going to generate, you know, a thousand sales qualified leads next quarter. We're going to be focused on sort of building our sales funnel. And then all of a sudden we're going to go and we're going to talk to our marketing people. We're going to go to our sales people people and say, okay, what are your individual priorities that you're going to contribute that are going to help the organization achieve this higher level strategic goal and objective? I love hearing you say, Thanks for your candor, by the way. 23 people, everyone's part of that process. What I hear when you say that is... Because I think sometimes when people hear this conversation, they might think, oh, this is for giant companies or, oh, it's for hundreds and hundreds of people and we're just a small business. But when you say 23, you know that's probably the demographic of a lot of my audience and the people that are listening. And so it's very applicable to them. And I love... Is it a conscious decision that you guys... Because you said there's two ways of doing it. One is kind of leadership makes the decisions and then they say, hey, here you go, do it, execute, or play your role in it to the rest of the team. But you guys actually take an approach where it sounds like you do some of the heavy lifting initially, but then you say, what are we missing? Or what should we be thinking about to everyone? Is that a culture issue? Is that a... Do you find that leadership sometimes misses things? I'd love to know the the thinking behind that. For us, I think it's a culture issue. I think it's uh, it's giving every person an opportunity to voice their ideas because I think, and, and I'm not judging anybody who does it the other way. Sure. I just think that there are often times when there are great ideas. You hire really smart, talented people to serve in various roles in the organization, even though they may not be part of the leadership team. They also probably have a much closer connection to your customers to your strategic partners, maybe. They may be hearing things in the marketplace that senior leaders don't have as close of a connection to. And so I think it's always good, I think, to have as many voices at least participate in that process 
And that's just the way we've done it and we continue to do it. Now, you mentioned, you know, 23 being sort of the right size or, or the, you know, the demographic of your audience. And I completely agree with you that if you're a company with only five employees, I think it's pretty easy to know what everybody is working on. You have good insight and in making sure that everybody's working on the right stuff. I think what happens is if you have a growth mindset and you want to go from five employees to 15 employees, or maybe from 15 employees to 25 employees over the next 12, 18, 24 months, I think that's when you know you start to have some of that chaos creep in. And that's when I think tools that allow you to have visibility, that allow you to share the vision of what the leadership team or what the CEO or, or, or leader of the organization see the direction where they see this organization going, that's when that can be really, really powerful. Okay. And then taking this one step deeper, just in terms of like measuring things. So, you know, I'll throw out some, mm-hmm. some terms, KPI, uh, KPIs, key performance indicators. You mentioned BHAG, which is a big, hairy, audacious goal. So you have these different things where you kind of like measure success. Do you have any data points that says, okay, companies that are doing this measuring or come into your ecosystem or maybe you do have data points for companies that don't. Do you see any type of progress or, or even if it's anecdotal and maybe it's not data-driven, what do you see in terms of progress when people are doing this, companies are doing this? Absolutely. Listen, it is anecdotal. I, I, certainly, we know that companies that set goals, at least in our software, yeah. are more likely to uh, achieve those goals. It's just like anything else. I can say that I want to lose 10 pounds, but if I put a sticky note on my mirror every single day that's reminding me to do 100 push-ups and to go get on the treadmill for 30 minutes, I'm more likely to achieve my goal than if it's just sitting in my head and I make a lot of excuses and don't do things on the regular. So yeah, I, I think putting things down in a visual way where everybody knows their numbers, whether it be a software tool or an Excel spreadsheet or paper, whatever, if everybody has visibility into how well everyone else is doing, you're going to create a culture of accountability. That's not to say that I'm going to shame someone who may be falling behind. The purpose is I want to help them. I want to go to them and find out, hey, what are the problems you're encountering? What are the obstacles that you are facing in meeting your goal? How do we as an organization help you work past those obstacles so that we can all achieve our goals? We can all, you know, proverbially row the boat in the same direction and sort of get across the finish line by the end of the period. That's really, really valuable. So creating that sort of culture of execution and culture of accountability in any organization will drastically improve the likelihood that you're going to achieve those goals and get to the level of success that you see for your business. Do you find when you pull out accountability and it goes through down throughout the organization. And I love the way you put it. It's not really necessarily to call out people or it's, it's to help them along. But do you ever find people where, or know of cases where they don't really want to go down the accountability trail and it actually turns out that they're probably not the right fit? Do you see that happen very often Absolutely. when people implement this? Happens all the time. Yeah, We generally see that there's two types of employees. There are those that want to be held accountable, and they appreciate a methodology or a framework by which they can objectively prove that they are A players in the organization. You set me a goal, and here you can see that I knocked it out of the park. I'm one of the rock stars in your organization. 
there are other employees that ha- want nothing to do with sort of this level of accountability. And they they used to be able to hide behind the fact that there wasn't this much uh, visibility into every employee's performance and execution. And so once you sort of shed light on that, that sometimes helps you identify individuals that probably aren't the right fit for your organization and the culture that you are trying to grow and build within your organization. Absolutely. Going back to KPIs and just measuring, are there any common KPIs that stand out that companies should be tracking? Are there ones that are consistent that you see, you know, frequently? Yeah, I mean, let's every business is different. Sure. So uh, everybody is going to be measuring different things, but there's standard KPIs. We want to be measuring our revenue for the quarter. We want to be measuring you know, our profit margins. We want to be measuring maybe profit per employee. Maybe it's, you know, if you're uh, selling widgets, hey, what's our, our conversion rates on sales or whether you're servicing clients. And so we put out uh, RFPs, what percentage of those do we actually get business on? So there's lots of different ratios. There's lots of just pure metrics that I think everyone has. And obviously, scaling up is a big methodology that we practice. And there's lots and lots of companies that have lots and lots of KPIs. You're measuring 10, 20, 30, 100 different metrics in your business. One of the things that scaling up really sort of focuses on is, okay, what's your critical number? Meaning, at least in our software, what we've done is we tell customers, you could have 30 KPIs, but tell me and identify what are the up to five most important critical numbers. And what that means is we're going to measure and track lots of things, but what are the five most important metrics that we want to have an impact on? So maybe this quarter, we want to really work on generating or increasing our SQLs by 20%. Great. That's going to be our critical number. And maybe the following quarter, we might focus on our churn percentage. How are we going to keep the customers that we actually have from churning out and leaving and going elsewhere or buying from somebody else? So we may be measuring lots of things every single quarter. And then on top of that, you want to start creating some critical numbers that give singular, again, laser focus to the entire organization on some of those that are the most important metrics that we want to have a positive impact on. Because again, we know that's going to have a positive impact on the future success of the business. Yeah, If we can reduce churn by 10%, that's a huge win because that's a lot of money down to our bottom line. Yeah. So what I think I'm also hearing you say is like, you try to do too much. You have all these different numbers. They probably become a little less meaningful full than if you just have these yes. five, let's say five critical numbers that the entire company is focused on. And I can write, as you say that, the power in being able to focus like that, you know, has to have upside results. And the same thing goes back to what I was talking about priorities. I mean, we can we can say that we want to get a lot of things done over the next 90 days. We can't achieve it all. We don't have the resources. We don't have the manpower. We don't have the time, the energy. What we really need to do is just focus and say, what are the two, maybe three, maybe even four most important things that we are going to focus on as an organization? Everybody's going to contribute. Everybody's going to pitch in in some way to hopefully help us achieve these three or four things. And if we can do that, at the end of the quarter, we will look back and say, great job, team. Look at how much we were able to get done and look at the impact that this has had on our business. And then we'll do a reset at the end of that quarter and say, okay, 
now what are the next two or three or four most important things that we need to go from here to get to the end of the next 90 days and just repeating that cycle quarter over quarter. And the next thing you know, you've hit your annual goals, you've hit your three-year goals, your five-year goals, and then back to your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal. And let's talk about that. What is the definition of a BHAG? Can you share a little bit about it and what it is? And Sure. So the BHAG, as I have been taught, is your big, hairy, audacious goal. It comes from Jim Collins. And it essentially is, uh, another way to describe it is, what is your North Star? What is your 10? What is your 20? What is your 30-year goal? If we look out on the longest time horizon that you could imagine for your business, where do you see yourself? So I'm happy to share with you Align's BHAG. Our BHAG is 1 billion priorities completed. So within our software, essentially all of our customers are creating priorities, meaning those things that they are trying to measure and complete in order to achieve growth and success in their business. And so we measure all the priorities that get completed, I think up to 85%. That's sort of our success metric. If you can complete a priority up to 85%, we consider that complete. And so we calculate the total number of priorities that have been completed within our software. And so our goal, and it is a very lofty, it is a very ambitious goal, is to get to 1 billion priorities completed. And that is absolutely something that we anticipate is going to take us 10, maybe even 20 years to get to. We are nowhere near that number, but that is what drives us. And that is what sort of helps us focus our decision-making process, meaning whatever we do in the business, is this something that's going to help us and our customers achieve more and more priorities? Because if they're achieving their priorities, they're recognizing and realizing success, and that will in turn recognize and realize success for us as an organization as well. We hope you're finding today's discussion to be beneficial to sculpting your own business success. Head over to 17minutemeeting.com for a complimentary 17-minute strategy session to help you identify and achieve your goals. That's available exclusively on 17minutemeeting.com. Whatever we do in the business, is this something that's going to help us and our customers achieve more and more priorities? Because if they're achieving their priorities, they're recognizing and realizing success, and that will in turn recognize and realize success for us as an organization as well. Very cool. Very cool. So, and thanks for sharing your your company's BHAG. I want to drill a little bit deeper. Let's talk about meetings and just communication in general. So we've talked about the 90-day meetings and and that cadence of that. Mm -hmm. Scaling up in particular, and there's a lot of different methodologies and what's right or wrong, they do the daily huddle. Yes. What are your thoughts around the daily huddle? Like Sometimes I'll get pushback. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so much. Every day we got to get together. What are your thoughts about that? How do you see that work in terms of a practical matter. And I know the software has some ability to bring that together and make it a little more efficient. Can, so can you share on that a little bit? Sure. It is a super simple and super powerful tool within any organization. So a 15-minute daily huddle, some people refer to it as a stand-up or it's kind of like Scrum if you're in the Agile system. But it's essentially a daily meeting where everyone gets together either virtually or physically if you're back to an office, and everyone shares their what's up information. What that means is 
I am sharing with the rest of my team or maybe with the entire organization, what am I working on today? What have I been able to achieve since we met yesterday on my huddle? And is there anything that I'm struggling with that I could use some help from somebody else on the team? Or maybe there's some good news that I want to share with the rest of my team. It's a very simple information exchange exercise. It is not a problem-solving session. It is literally just an update. And what it's meant to do is to hopefully reduce the number of emails that get sent over the course of the day. It is hopefully going to reduce the number of Slack messages that get sent throughout an organization. I want to immediately know what you, Tyler, are working on. And in that very short 15 minutes, I might hear something that you're struggling with where I can say to you, hey, I had a customer and we dealt with that recently this way. And all of a sudden, we can then go after the meeting, have a a sidebar conversation and say, okay, this is what we learned from that Uh, experience, this is something that you might do to work through whatever issues that you have going on. And so that type of communication rhythm where it's not a big sort of thing to do, 15 minutes out of your day really isn't a lot, but it can be super powerful. Um, As a matter of fact, I have two daily huddles every single day. They are back-to-back So I have a sales team daily huddle that I'm a part of. And we at Align, we actually do an all hands every day. So all 23 employees will get onto a Zoom call. And within 15 minutes, this is true, within 15 minutes, all 23 of us will share our what's up. But that's less than a minute a person then, right? That's absolutely right. That's less than a minute a person. Now, the habit that really sort of hopefully our software or just that you try to get into is you can't have employees come into the meeting unprepared. If there's someone who comes into a daily huddle and tries to off the cuff what it is they want to share or they're trying to fumble and bumble in their brain about what's the most important thing that I need to share with everybody, that's what really makes the meetings very inefficient and not very productive. And certainly it's more likely to go beyond a 15-minute session. What we try to teach everybody is take five minutes before your daily huddle and document, write down a few bullet points of what are the most important things that you need to share with the rest of the team. Who are you speaking today? What are you focused on today? You know, what's that good news that you want to share? And when you get into the huddle, you literally read what you have pre-written because that is the most important information. Now, somebody might ask you a question and there might be a little back and forth, but our rule is there's no more than uh, three back and forths. So if all of a sudden what I shared now becomes a conversation, we take that and have a conversation after the meeting. And so, yes, we have 23 people. We had one just before I got on the podcast with you. We start at 11.47 every single morning, right before lunch. That also helps us keep it very uh, compact. And yes, every single person speaks. They share their WhatsApp information. And then we all go and either get back to work or go on to our lunch break. Now, does it become kind of stale after a while? Or how do you keep it vibrant? I guess it's that five-minute preparation before so that people aren't just coming in and kind of just doing the same thing over and over again in terms of what they're delivering. So what we do is once a week, we'll have a controversial question that gets posed (laughs) to every single employee. I'm happy to share with you the controversial question this morning was, do you prefer nacho cheese Doritos in the red bag 
or the Cool Ranch Doritos in the blue bag? I mean, that's a very simple and really not terribly controversial question, but that is what sort of keeps the the meeting sort of lively and, and things like that. You know, we've had questions like, is a taco a sandwich or, or you know, whatever. And so that's in addition to just everybody telling everyone else what they're working on, you also get to share a little about yourself. It's helping to build the culture within the organization. And the fact that we certainly are a remote team. Most of us are here in New Orleans, but a lot of us work from home. A lot of us work elsewhere around the country. And so uh, when you don't have an opportunity to see everybody every day, it's hard to build culture. It's hard to build connections. And so I think that's a really, really powerful tool that can help any organization if you just put it in practice. So extremely important questionnaire, as if my others weren't, but this one is particular. Yeah. My favorite is either one, whichever one I can get my hands on. What's your favorite? I'm curious how you responded. <laughs> I went with red. Okay. Okay. Nacho cheese. Okay. Yes. I haven't had them for a while. I wish you wouldn't have even brought them up because now they're probably going to be on my my mind for the rest of the day. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, hey, I, I want to talk a little bit about scoreboarding. I think this is where... And I want to wrap this in with what are the options a business has. Now, obviously, you have your software. That plays a role. But what are the options? And then I want to go into the scoreboarding a little bit because I think there's a little bit of secret sauce here, I think, to some degree in scoreboarding effectively in a business doing it. So can we talk about kind of combine those topics? Sure. I mean, listen, it doesn't matter how you do this as long as you do it and it works for you and your organization. So we have, we know that there are people that are just doing this on paper or maybe a whiteboard somewhere in the office where you're writing out your critical numbers and someone is coming by once a day or once a week to update those critical numbers. And so everybody has visibility into that important information. We know that people are doing this on a maybe an Excel spreadsheet or on a Google sheet that's shared on a Google. Google Drive. I mean, there's lots of different ways that you can document this and share this information with everybody. And certainly our software is one of those tools. But whatever works for you, you just have to use it and you've got to do it with discipline. You know, it's funny because this is not something that takes a lot of time. It's something that takes time to get good at. But ultimately, you know, one of the best proven practices we share with everybody is this should take you about five or 10 minutes every day or at least once a week to sort of see the return on the investment in this methodology and doing this in a software tool or, or otherwise. Essentially, what you're asking every employee to do is to do two things in five or 10 minutes once a day or once a week. If you have a daily huddle, or a weekly huddle. We didn't talk about weekly huddles, but you've got daily huddles and sort of longer weekly meetings as well. If you have a daily huddle or a weekly huddle coming up, go and document that information. Do that pre-thought. Do that homework so that you already know exactly what are the issues that my team needs to discuss? What are the things I need to share with them? Sort of what are the questions that I have from my team members? Do that. That takes five minutes of prep work. And secondly, sort of update your priorities. What are the KPIs that you are measuring and tracking in your own performance or that you are being held accountable for? Update your KPIs, update your critical numbers if you own any of those critical numbers and check off any strategic tasks that you've been able to achieve or complete over the course of the past week. Just those two things, no more than five or 10 minutes. But if you can do that with discipline over 30, 60, 90 days in a quarter, two things will happen. One is you will see drastic improvement in the communication in your business about this high-level strategic stuff. People are talking 
on a daily, on a weekly basis, not just on the operational and tactical things that they're doing in their job, but the high-level, big-picture, strategic goals that the leadership team or maybe everybody was involved in formulating at the beginning of the quarter. We had a planning session. We said, these are the things we want to achieve. Let's not put that in a binder and put it on a bookshelf where it collects dust. Let's talk about it. Let's make sure that we keep that top of focus, top of mind every day or at least once a week so that we know how well we're doing against these goals. So that's really the power of discipline and putting these good habits into practice every day or at least once a week. And whether you do that through our software or some other tool, as long as you can do that, I'm fairly confident that you're going to see powerful and and beneficial results in your organization. And then... In regards to the scoreboarding, where does that fit? That is, I envision like it's you know literally a scoreboard of you know what we're hitting and what we're not. Is that is that what it is basically? Yeah, essentially, you're creating a dashboard. You want employees to have visibility into all this stuff. So our software, in particular, you know everything's color coded, red, yellow, and green. You can sort of see radial gauges that show you how well you're doing against a lot of these goals. It's kind of like, uh, and I know Vern gives this example. It's like going to a sporting event and not having that scoreboard out in center field that tells you, okay, this is the next batter. This is how you want what his batting percentage is. This is how many errors this team has committed. You know, this is who the pitcher is. That type of information is sort of all, everything we want to share. We want to give all of our employees context and understanding about the goals we're trying to hit and how well are we doing It's not just that we want to set a goal at the beginning of the quarter and then just tell everybody at the end, well, we hit that goal, but we didn't hit that goal. We want to keep everybody updated through that that entire process so that we can maybe make some course corrections, do some experimenting in the middle of the quarter and say, okay, we set this goal, whatever we did for the first four or five weeks in the period, it's not working. We're not moving the needle enough. So now let's sort of start thinking outside the box. What else can we do? Course correct, modifications, whatever, to try to get this priority back on track and achieve it by the end of the period. So when I went to the training that you were at, we did a mock mm-hmm. a mock task, I guess you'd call it, where everyone mm-hmm. was accountable for doing something for their own professional growth. And I've had the pleasure now, I think I had seven, six, seven, eight tasks, I can't remember, that were in the system. And I've been going along each week doing my tasks and clicking it. And I'll tell you, it's very rewarding to stay in that green area. area. Every time I click it, it goes, you know, you're in green. And I think I might be in yellow right now, frankly. I think this task, I'm a little behind. So I might be in the yellow zone. But it is really effective. I mean, I can really appreciate it. I don't always get to see it from how an individual might feel in terms of using the system, but I can see the tremendous power in it and you know how it builds that accountability and an honestly good feeling of success of getting things done. We are psychological beings. And so we want to feel positive about our performance and the work that we're doing. And so, yes, that's part of the color coding scheme is that if you, no one wants to be in the red, right? We want to do whatever it takes or whatever it's going to need or require 
to get at least into the yellow or really to be in the green. Right. You know, if you're in the red, odds are your manager is going to come talk to you. Your direct supervisor is going to come talk to you. And, you know, you know that you are capable. It's just a matter of setting some time, setting some energy and, and focused on that task or whatever it is that you're being asked to do and getting it done. And there is a great sense of satisfaction in getting, you know, one of our core values is get shit done. And that's what we're trying to help companies do. The more you can achieve, the odds are the more success you're going to have in your business. Great core value. That is one of our core values. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I got two questions I want to wrap up with. One is you mentioned 50% are self-doers in your client base doing their own yep. thing using the software and 50% are, are, are through the facilitating through business coaches. Do you have any data? Or once again, it just may be gut feeling... Is there any difference in, does a business coach help supercharge it? And I realize every business coach is going to be a different, but do you see better results with the business coach versus no business coach? What are your thoughts around that? Yes. So we did a white paper, which you can actually download from our website at aligntoday.com. And we did compare and contrast coached accounts versus non-coached accounts. And yes, those companies that have the benefit of working with a coach typically do better. They achieve more priorities. They're having more huddles. They're completing more tasks. And it sort of makes sense because you have an outsider who's holding you accountable. You know, it's kind of like hiring a trainer at the gym. You're likely to get better results and probably get into better shape because you have a regular meeting with that trainer every single week rather than you trying to hold yourself accountable. And odds are you're probably going to give yourself some breaks where your coach may not. So the fact that you have somebody external to your organization who is there to sort of drive you, to push you, to sort of get you to go beyond what you think even you yourself can achieve, I think that generally leads to greater success. Now, understandably, not every company is in a position where they can afford a coach or they think that they're ready for a coach, but certainly our data proves out that working with a coach generally does yield greater results in terms of achieving priorities, tasks, and things like that. Very cool. Very cool. So I want to wrap up with, do you have either a business or a life tip that you can share with us that we can apply and hopefully either make our life better or make our business better? I'll give you two. One is a sort of a business tip. So I am in my second career uh, now that I'm in the software world. I used to be an attorney, a practicing litigator for nearly 20 years. And what I've learned is that everything in life is sales. So it doesn't matter whether you are a litigator standing in front of a judge or a jury. What you essentially are doing is selling your client's side of the story so that the judge buys what you're selling rather than what your opposing counsel is selling or whatever you're putting forward in pleadings in court. It doesn't matter what you do. I think ultimately it gets back to selling. So being able to think of things that way, that I am trying to relay a story or I'm trying to get someone to buy what I am presenting, even if it's not truly a sale, whether it's you trying to get a coaching client, it's sales. You want them to buy your services or engage with you. So I think if you just think of things in that way, it's really been very eye-opening to me personally as a, as a business tip. And then a life tip is, I, th and, you know, I just think never sacrifice your family for work. 
you know, it's the old adage that no one is ever going to be on their deathbed and say, gosh, I, I really, you know, wish I'd spent more time at the office. Family is just the most wonderful thing. And, you know, I think work is a means to an end. And so hopefully that end is being able to spend more and more time with your family, but don't let work get in the way of that time that you have with your loved ones, your relatives. And um, yeah, it's really, really important. Yeah, I love it. Both are really powerful ones. So thanks for sharing. So I'll put these in the show notes at thinktyler.com. I'll put your uh, website. It's aligntoday.com. A-L-I-G-N today.com. There's a demo there, I believe, if someone wants to check out your software. Is that correct? Yes, you can okay. You can absolutely go there, fill out a very short form, and it will give you a Calendly link where you can schedule with one of our advisors. And we give you, you know, a quick 30-minute introduction to the software. We'll hopefully learn about some of the pain points that some of your listeners might be having in their business as they're growing and scaling. We'll help you sort of see the value of the software and answer any questions that you might have. Great, great. Hey, if there's if people wanted to reach out to you anywhere else, is there anywhere you'd like them to go or is Align the best spot? Well, certainly you can find me on LinkedIn. My last name is Turk, T-E-R-K, spelled a little differently, T-E-R-K. But yes, you can always email me at eturk at aligntoday.com as well. Awesome. I'll put those in the show notes. I really appreciate your time. I, I still debate that you were a litigating attorney. You are way too likable and way too, uh, too way too much charisma. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, that may be a conversation for the future. But thanks so much for your time. That may be. <laughs> My pleasure. It's really it's really been great chatting with you. It's nice to reconnect with you, Tyler. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. And thanks for uh, giving me the time on your podcast. Thank you, Eugene. Take care. Thanks. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid.